Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. I want to tell a couple of testimonies. We preached on healing three weeks ago. And um, sometimes we're not really good at then telling the stories and celebrating what God has done. But I tell these specific stories because it was the stories of people who responded in faith said, actually, I want that. And there was an offer and an opportunity to come up for prayer. And these guys said, actually, I want that. One of them, his name's Ian. He'd had crumbs, cr- crumbs, crumbs for months. That's not good for anyone. Cramps for months. And, um, and came up just as there was a word, said, actually, I want freedom from this thing. And something that had ailed him for months, was, his wife was here this morning, for the last four weeks has been gone and free of that thing. As a, Shamisa was here, had a, she's pregnant now, but she's had a hip issue that's been bothering her for a long time as well, sorted and told us about that last Sunday. And then what was really cool, I got an email from a lady in the church who, for the last 22 years, has had made, I want to read it because it's quite important, suffering from a lung disease and had 30% use of right lung, both lungs. Permanent damage, struggled in and out of hospital for 22 years on daily meds from a pulmonologist, one of those really clever people, and every morning using a nebulizer to breathe. And since the 27th of February, hasn't used nebulizer once, hasn't been on medication at all, completely healed and completely, and we celebrate that. And it's not about who prayed for them. It's not about who was preaching. It's about who God is. Our God is a healer. He's a miracle worker. He'll do miracles and lives and restore and redeem and take a guy who's been dating his girlfriend for eight years to wake him up and get married. It's all part of it. And then uh, that's a miracle. That Jojo's like, yeah, it's a miracle. And, um, but actually also heals. He redeems. He restores. You know, often I, I, I tell healing stories, especially to young people who have never been unwell, or you've never had kids who've been unwell. All of a sudden, healing becomes something you want your God to really be when you've not been well or you have kids who aren't well. And I trust, I worship a miracle-working God. I can trust Him with my kids. I can trust Him with my health. I can trust Him with my future. You can trust Him too. And tonight, I'd like to speak to us a little bit and talk about steps to freedom because we're doing a series, and if you haven't been with us for the last couple of weeks, we're doing a series called Move the Mountains where there is this challenge from God to His disciples because they were lacking faith in areas, and He says, come on, guys. And He challenges, if you've just got a little bit of faith, just a mustard seed of faith, you can say to this mountain, move from here, and it'll move. Oh, Mark, that's, that's weird stuff. No, no, that's Jesus' words. You either believe Jesus as Lord or you don't. That's okay. But if you do, you have to take his words and believe them. And he challenges his disciples, these dudes he's walked with, these dudes he's invested his life in, these guys he's told jokes with, and they've laughed and they've cried together as there's been pain and disappointment. With these guys, he challenged them. So if you just have a little bit of faith, and why we tell these stories is we want to tell more and more stories of faith stories that are our faith stories. I don't want to pick up a book or go on the internet and tell you some guy's story in England or America or Dubai. I want to tell you stories of what God does in our midst and celebrate that and say, God, do it again. And would you do more? Because you are great. You're awesome. And I want to read from Acts chapter 12. And the context here, it's about a guy named Peter. And in the early part of the book of Acts, what happens is, is Jesus is taken up into heaven. The Spirit of God comes upon the disciples. And this guy was a wimp. This guy was a wimp. A little girl comes and challenges him. Weren't you one of Jesus' disciples? And he says, no, not me. You got the wrong guy. 
But then the Spirit of God comes upon him, and he preaches, and 3,000 get saved. The Spirit of God comes upon him, and he heals the sick. He sees God do mighty things. He's a rock star apostle in the first part of the book of Acts. And then in this chapter, he finds himself in prison. Here's the truth you've got to deal with. Sometimes there are going to be some prisons that are part of God's story in our lives, and it doesn't matter who we are. God is God, and he's orchestrating a story that will bring him glory. And so we're going to read from Acts chapter 12. Hopefully I read it better than this morning. It was like I was reading Hebrew to the church this morning. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with the approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of soldiers, or four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing, what the, that the, what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they'd walked through the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent this angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for signs and wonders in our midst. I thank you for your life and your joy that comes in the darkest situations. And I thank you that we can keep being those who would run to you. I pray that as we have read your word, that your word would speak to us, lead us, guide us tonight. Thank you, God. Amen. And this, this story speaks of a man in a prison and God doing something amazing. You know the challenge for me? My greatest pain as a pastor is not those who've tried and trusted in God and laid hands on the sick and trusted God for amazing things that this world cannot do or produce. Those are not my pains. My pains are when people don't. When they are redeemed, pulled out of an empty way of life into fullness, into relationship with Jesus, but they're chains that keep holding them to walls. Chains that keep holding them into small places called prisons that we make nice, kind of like tombs like we spoke about last week. And they get held in that place and become ineffective and unable to walk into space that God has for them. Because I keep saying it, salvation is not just about fire insurance from hell that one day I'll have this ticket that when I get to heaven I could show them and I get into heaven. That's not what salvation is about. It's part of it. But salvation is also for today. It's that the grace of God and the glory and the wonder of the cross breaks into the smallness of my life today and pulls me into a gospel story that looks so much bigger than just my natural brokenness or my story or my lineage. The mark of a Christian on top of that is not the promise that you will have a quiet, peaceful suburban life. If you read of any of the men and women of faith in the Bible, they weren't given quiet, peaceful suburban lives. 
Now this is Peter. He's in the will of God. He's serving God, and he's there for the kingdom and the purposes of God, and yet he's in prison. God knows that. He hasn't forgotten about his guy. Don't think that for a minute, oh, God took his eye off Peter. That's why he's in prison now. No, he's there with God. He's there full of the power of God. He's the same guy. And he hasn't forgotten who he is. He just happens to be in prison for the kingdom of God. And Peter, this rock star of the book of Acts, happens as the first guy, they execute him and Herod says, oh, this pleases the crowds. This pleases the crowds. So he says, let's do it again. Let's get Peter. And gets Peter in prison. But he puts him under heavily armed guard. He gets the royal treatment as four squads of four. It says he gets chained with two chains. And history and commentators would say that would be one chain on his hands, holding them together, and another chain on his feet. That he would be chained both hand and feet in a prison cell. Then he's got a guard on his right and a guard on his left. And then he's got two guards at, the, at that gate. And then there is the big iron gate that leads to the city, and there will be a warden keeping an eye on him. And where normally the warden's roots would be every 12 hours just to check that everything's cool in the prison, because Herod put this guy there, he's walking every 12 minutes just checking. Is he there? Yeah, he's there. These guards know their life depends on keeping that guy in prison. And so here is Peter, God's man, anointed of God, full of the Spirit of God, Received the grace because of Jesus on his life in prison. Now, let's explain the situation. I don't think those chains were encouraging Peter at the time. I don't think he was encouraged. I don't think he was stoked. I don't think it was like, this is amazing. I think the reality of the situation hits home, and he's aware of his circumstance. And then there are these two gods. One is left, one is right. I don't think they were there encouraging him. Don't worry, buddy. I'm sure Herod will change his mind. I'm pretty sure Herod had a bad day, and that's why you, I mean, you've really done nothing wrong. Hey, so honestly, bud, and the other, one guy's name is John and the one's Barry. No, they're not John and Barry. I don't know. And, and John says to Barry, hey, Barry, I mean, shouldn't we get this guy out of here? No, they're not having that conversation. Their conversation goes like, yes, how's this oak? He's dead. Dead. <laughs> Honestly, but you've got like 12 hours. You, I don't know what you, we can't even get you a proper meal here. I mean, but you've got, what do you think? And the other is like, yeah, this oak is toast. They are going to roast him tomorrow. He is going to get it. Herod told us this oak's going to get the worst, worse than that oak yesterday. What do you, and, and these guards are talking. I don't think they're encouraging him. And then there's the other guards at the gate, and they're chipping in. Yeah, but, ha, you're going to get it. We're not taking eyes of you. You're not going anywhere. And then there's the warden walking around. Hey, guys, keep your eye on him. He's not going anywhere. He's going to get it tomorrow. It's a pretty tough scenario. We read the Bible sometimes. I don't know about you. When I read these stories, I want to understand what's going on. Because sometimes life feels like that. Maybe you hear it tonight and you feel like there's chains and there's guards and they're accusing. And I think we've got to understand as we look at this thing. But he's sitting there and he has heard Jesus speaking. He was there and Jesus said, so if the sun sets free... You are free indeed, John chapter 8. He knows that truth. He's sitting there knowing that truth. Here's the thing. We can be in chains for Jesus. We can be in chains in this life and still know who we are in God. That can happen. And God's calling us to be a people. If we want to be a people who can move mountains, what we first have to do is learn to walk out the steps of freedom. And I think there's some steps laid out for us in this place. As we look at this amazing, first of all, his hands and his feet are chained. Maybe you feel like your hands are changed. You want to do things for Jesus. I want to be generous for people. I want to, I want to be generous to people. I want to be that guy. 
oh, but I can't because my hands are chained. And, and I keep getting reminded that I can't really trust God because last month was tight. And I want to be generous to this person. And, and you know, there was an amazing lady who made a cake for this guy's wedding, named Elizabeth. Elizabeth couldn't even come to the wedding because she was working, but she made the most exquisite cake. But actually, Elizabeth's story and her reality, she could have easily said, actually, I can't do that. I can't make that happen. I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. I work. And the two ladies named Marriott and Heidi have spent time and time with these. We're actually just single ladies. Heidi's got a girl, that she, a daughter, Amy, and, and maybe we just we don't have the resource. No, they're going to pour out. No, their hands, there might be chains. The enemy wants to put them there, but their hands are free. And then his feet, he says, actually, I've got you God's man. I need to set your feet free so you can get walking, so you can get going on mission for the kingdom of God. God wants to set our hands free, and he wants to set our feet free. He wants to take the chains off that hold us, because the truth is what Jesus did on the cross has slashed those chains. And we've got to be able to walk some steps out of that prison. What are some of the chains? Maybe I can suggest a few. Unforgiveness. Apathy. Pain of the past, fear and intimidation, fear of failure, fear of man, fear of disappointment. There's nothing like fear of man to hold people back from stepping out and doing something of faith. Disillusionment, someone hurt me, the disappointments of the past, guilt and shame or secret sin. These are the prison guards that start shouting and they start reminding us, I know what you did yesterday, you can't walk out of here. Yeah, but I'm free. Jesus has paid the way. And the minute you walk out of those doors and you get in your car and you go home and the enemy starts reminding you, it's Sunday night. Remember it's Sunday night? Sunday night's the night you go on pornography because the highest search rates of pornography is on a Sunday. I don't know if you know that. It's because people are lonely. They're on their own. And the enemy starts having a field day. And the enemy starts reminding you, actually, you're going you're gonna, to, you remember that thing? That's who you are. And the enemy starts shouting, the accuser, the guy sitting next to the prison and chain starts reminding him, those chains might be off, but you're not going anywhere. We're going to keep you here. The enemy is called the accuser. We have an enemy. If you're in the, have you been saved by Jesus and received his grace? You have an enemy. You have an enemy who is called the accuser of the saints. And he keeps reminding you of the past and the guilt and shame and the stories. And my job is to keep reminding myself that Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain, but he washed me white as snow. That's the gospel. It's not complicated. And he pulls us into the story. And we've got to remind ourselves who we are. 1 Peter 2 verse 9. But you are a chosen people. Oh, but there's a chain. No, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of his name who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. See, he keeps calling us out of darkness, out of caves, out of tombs, and out of prisons. The problem is we don't, we get used to our prisons. We get comfy in our prisons. Can I ask you this? Why do we get people to raise their hands in church? Well, it's just those weird, one of those weird things Christians do, isn't it, Mark? Well, they are weird things Christians do. They actually are. I think they're quite weird sometimes as well. But when I'm asking someone to raise their hands in church, in response to a preach or in response to a moment or in response to something, it is an activation of faith and a statement to myself first. And to the enemy who is shouting the accusing lies, that I respond to the grace and the goodness of God. That I believe he is king and I raise my hands in this moment to respond in faith. And I'm activating the faith that is inside of me that releases the potential of heaven in my life. I'm shouting at the enemy. Why when they get to the battle lines and you see those old um, Viking battles and they all stand there and then they're all going, 
Ah! They're putting fear in the enemy. We need to be a people who start understanding who we are, and instead of living in fear of the enemy, exposing us at every level, we start putting fear in the enemy. Yeah. You know what the Bible says in James verse 4, how you deal with the enemy? Number one, resist the devil. I've heard the devil commanded out of Durban so many times, you would swear he wasn't even in the suburbs in anywhere anymore. But he's still in Durban. He's still causing chaos. My job is not to cast the devil out of Cape Town. My job is to resist him. He says, submit yourselves to God. Submit yourself to his word, to his truth, and to his ways. If you would do that, and in submission, there's a humility that comes. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And yet too many Christians spending their life fleeing from the devil, covering up behind so that the devil doesn't expose. Now forget covering up. Jesus has done that. That's what his blood did. It's scandalous. It doesn't make sense, but that's the gospel. And then he pulls us into his story, and he says, Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. No one turned on the electricity. The light of heaven shone into a dark place. What's your dark place that the light of heaven needs to shine in? Well, understand this. In many places, from Matthew 28, Acts 1, Acts 2, Acts 16, there is this amazing word throughout the book of Acts, which is all about radical Christianity, and it's this word, suddenly. Get used to it. God does things sometimes suddenly. And suddenly, God breaks into this place where there are guards and there are chains and there are iron gates and there is no way out in the natural and he doesn't have a vision how to get out of there. This is not Michael from Prison Break. He doesn't have the plans of the jail over his arms prepared. He's not that guy. He's just Peter, a fisherman. Bring me my fishing rod. It'll get me out of here. No, that doesn't work in prison anymore. Maybe. I don't think it ever did. But he's got no plan. He's stuck. Suddenly, God breaks in and a light shines in a dark place. That is the God we worship. And then it says, he struck Peter on the side and woke him up. He struck Peter on the side and woke up. You know what the first starting point of a believer stepping out of the chains that have held in the past and into freedom is this amazing truth. Wake up. <laughs> wake up. It's probably the best advice for husbands out there. Wake up. Stop moaning about your marriage, going to sleep. Yes, I wish I had a better marriage. No, wake up and take a hold of it and understand God's got something. Wake up and the enemy comes and kicks Peter on the side. Wake up. Are you open to the God of all eternity breaking into your story and saying, wake up. It's time to wake up. Oh, I'll wake up one day when. No, wake up at this time. Maybe your marriage, maybe what God's called you to your gift and your family. And then this amazing word says, quick, get up. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. You see, the enemy knows when he's got us chained with fear, intimidation, reminders of the past, when he's got the voices of the, the intimidator standing next to us, you're not going anywhere. And yet when I read about the gospel and I read about these mighty men and women of faith, they went places, they did things that were not possible. And so I've got to understand what are the freedom steps that have to come in place. And he, he gets in the story. And you know the challenges when you're sitting in the prison cell and you remain on the floor. Just going to lie on the floor. The gates always look bigger. The guards always look bigger. The distance to the, the way out always looks further. Actually wake up and get up. 
See, here's the amazing thing. As the scripture says, quick, get up. And he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. I'm not sure what happened first. The Bible doesn't tell us. Did the chains just fall off and then he got up? Or did he hear those amazing words from an agent of heaven, an angel, the Bible says, did he hear those words and did he respond and start to begin to get up? And as he got up, those chains began to fall off. I think that happened. I think there was an activation of faith that triggered the response of heaven in his story. What's your activation of faith tonight? Maybe it's just get up. What about that guy who lay next to the road for 38 years waiting for someone to pick him up? And then one day, the king of glory comes and says, actually, rise up. Maybe he didn't have to be there for 38 years. Maybe he didn't have to wait for a prophet, an apostle, or someone to come. Maybe you don't have to wait for someone big to come to town so we can run to a convention so that the healer from America can come and heal you. Maybe you just get on your knees and worship the living God and allow the healer to heal you. We're waiting for something that's the wrong thing sometimes. Actually, the word of God is just get up. Chains of addiction, just get up. A man got up this morning and told the me how one year ago, last Sunday, was his last day on drugs, and his life has completely turned around. He's a quiet man. He said nothing is commuted. Just for a year, he's worshipped. And his whole story, his brother's coming to church, his father's coming to church, his wife's coming to church. A year ago, completely broken. No, get up. Chains of self-pity, get up. Chains of pain of the past, get up. Chains of poverty, get up. And so much of the gospel, we start telling people, no, just lie there. Just lie there and enjoy it. You are so justified in lying in your self-pity. No, you're not. You have Jesus, the victor of all eternity in your life. His blood has washed you clean. Those chains are shattered. You just keep him on. You take them off. They're not bracelets. And walk out of that place. Get up. And allow the faith to come and shatter those things off. When it seems completely impossible, point number one was complicated, get up. Point number two says this, get going. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. I love the story of these guys. I'm going to boast about these guys tonight. But they've said yes to Jesus at every difficult turn. And, and before they encountered you, they've been together for many years, and the normal in our world is to live together, and they were living together. And then some older ladies who love them, came into life and said, you know, it's not best for you. The Bible says there's a future inheritance. Would you say yes to Jesus now? So he moved into the lounge because of their financial circumstances. They have an amazing uh, privilege and, and responsibility looking after parents who've not well. So he moves into the lounge, but he's a tender guy and the light in the lounge makes him stay awake. So Joe moves into the lounge. Just put that in there just because I thought that was funny. And, um, but Joe moves into the lounge and for the last... Months, I don't know the exact number, four months, moves into the lounge and changes what was normal to allow the kingdom of God to come. And I promise you, when you start saying yes to Jesus, chains start breaking, freedom starts coming, life starts invading. It's not complicated. This gospel is not complicated. And we love thousand hoops, so we think we are never going to get there, so why jump at all? No, the Bible says get up and get going. And he says, actually, put on your, your clothes and your sandals. Here's the thing. God has a story for this guy. He wants him to keep preaching the gospel. And God knows yeah. if he doesn't put on his clothes and he doesn't put on his sandals, it's going to be pretty ineffective the gospel. Yeah. No one here would want me preaching naked. Just saying. You just don't want that. I don't either. Gets awkward. And, but there's a story for this guy. He says, actually, go put on your clothes and put on your shoes so you can get going. 
Christians, you want to break the chains that want to hold us to walls? Get going. Get moving. Put on your sandals and be prepared to start moving forward. Rion. There we go. Sorry. I want mountain-moving faith. Not because I want mountain-moving faith or to be known as a man who has mountain-moving faith. I want mountain-moving faith so my God is known as a God who can move mountains. I want people walking in these doors whose lives are messed. And they have tried every other solution that the world can give them. And they would walk in these doors. And as a community, we would love them. We would gather around them. We would support them. We would lay hands and pray for them. And we trust for only what God can do. Are you trusting for what only God can do? See, I sat with a man today, this afternoon, whose life is in ruins. Absolute ruins. Because he found out something terrible about his marriage this week. And I sat with him and I said, I want to tell you that God can restore and redeem your marriage. And I started to point. I said, you see that couple there? She was a prostitute. He was her client. They are leaders in this community 12 years later. I told them about another couple who in England. She was also a prostitute. And I went into their home and they were prost- she was prostituting to support their lifestyle as a family. And God has redeemed and restored. That's nine years ago. And I began to point to others and I want to tell you, your marriage is not beyond redemption. Trust Jesus. Not because of who I am, because we worship a mountain-moving God. And I love Isaiah 61. And one of the challenges and commands in Isaiah 61, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Well, actually, let me read this. And to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. You know what you got to do? you got to take off the old dead clothes that smell and stink of the death of our past and our lives and our decisions. If I wore the clothes and you saw everything that has been through this mind and everything I've wanted to do in life, you'd be horrified. And yet I don't have to wear those. I get to put on the clothes of righteousness. I get put on by a father, the clothes of righteousness, and and he puts on a garment of praise. You want freedom? Begin to praise him. Begin to praise him. And third of all, and a very complicated point, follow him. Get up, get going, and follow him. And the angel, an agent sent by God, speaks to him. And, he ch- and the angel says, come on now. I want you to walk and follow me out of this place. See, the problem is the chains can come off. But if we're so enamored and taken up, sometimes we actually begin to celebrate. And I, I've sat with many people. I've done thousands of hours of counseling. Problem is we get used to our environment. And actually... We become so used to it that the environment and the circumstance becomes part of our identity and we forget who we actually are. We weren't made for prisons. You just got to look at the Israelites. They'd spent their lifetime in, 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 in prison as slaves. They'd worked themselves as slaves. They were whipped and beaten and killed at the will of their masters. And they get set free. And they get set out. And they're walking in spacious places. And at first challenge, there's no breakfast, God. Where's my breakfast? That's kind of like my house at 6 o'clock in the morning. Where's my breakfast? Sorry, if you've got three boys, you'd know. And, um, but there's this challenge. And the challenge, they don't have food. And they say, we don't have food. We want to go back to slavery. You go, what, what? You want to go be whipped and beaten? Yeah, but we got breakfast there. That's how small we can be, guys. 
that are used to slavery and our chains that hold us, we can get. And we get good at putting flowery language around it sometimes as Christians as well. Oh, it's just the oppression of the enemy. No, tell that enemy to flee and walk out of that place. Get up, get going, and follow him. Again, my mates here. And the amazing thing is, actually, I haven't invested thousands of hours in these guys at all. But other people in this community have invested. Ron Hall at the back there. You were the one at Alpha, I think, who started to that guy and said to him, you actually need to get married. Because you met him at the Alpha course last year, March. And, and then I could just go around and, and uh, um, they went to Jenny at, at, at Life Group. And Jenny and Heather, they're Life Group leaders, but they went to Jenny and said, Jen, we need help with food at our home group. Jen's response was, at their wedding, gets a notepad out, says, okay, what do you need? Is that right? What am, why am I telling you that? Why? Because God will put agents of change and agents of the kingdom of heaven in your life. And if you were to ask to see and perceive, and if you would keep saying, yes, I will follow, you are following Jesus. Well, people come to church and say, I don't, I don't want leadership in my life. I don't want, no, I just got Jesus. That's fine. But Jesus uses angels. Jesus uses ladies. Jesus uses gents. Jesus uses older men. He uses younger men. If we would allow the Spirit of God and they lead us and they call us to follow Him, He is your shepherd. I'm just your under shepherd. He is your shepherd and He is committed to leading you into spacious places. But you've got to follow. And the gospel is not complicated in that regard. Two things about this guy, Peter. It's okay not to have all the plans worked out. In a world where we celebrate, I've got all the plans and all the heroes have all the plans. No, in the gospel, he's got the plan. My job is to trust him. And it's an amazing thing. Peter gets out and he says he almost comes to his senses and realizes that wasn't just a dream. It wasn't just a vision. Jesus let me out. Jesus pulled me into his story. I didn't have a plan. Sitting with a guy today, this guy. So you don't actually have a plan to get out of this and you don't have one. You can't get one. Cosmopolitan Men's Health, they're not going to give you one. Marriage.com's not going to give you one. The best marriage counselors of this world won't give you one. But there is a God in heaven who has a way out of this. You know what happens? We don't even hear what happens. Those gods don't even feature in the exit story. The gates don't even feature. Just says the iron gate opens up and he walks out of there with the angel. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. Secondly, is God sustains his call. Peter was in that prison, not because of sin. Actually, in his case, he was in that prison because of the will and the call of God at that time for the advancing of the gospel. Your life and my life and my marriage and my kids are not about me. It's about him and his glory. Their marriage is not about them. It's about God getting his glory. God's jealous for his glory. He says, actually, I'm going to pour myself into you. Why? So that I get all the glory. Peter's there and he understands that and we understand this story. But understand this, that even in those prisons, God will sustain. God will hold and God will pour out. God sustains his call. Maybe your marriage feels like a prison right now. I want to tell you, God will sustain his call. Please don't tell me God made a mistake. Marriage is a covenant that God is in. Maybe your work feels like a prison. Well, I want to tell you, God sustains. He's called us to work hard in this world, to honor our bosses, to pray, and trust Him for tomorrow. Maybe your current circumstances, now trust the mountain-moving God. 
allow him to silence the taunts of the intimidator. Maybe if I could just have the band up, please. I want to read a scripture that, that I read last week, but, but has gripped me again afresh. It's 1 Peter 1 verse 18. A theological truth that has fashioned and shaped every part of me and every part of what I believe about who God is. Says this. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life you inherited from your forefathers. Let's just stop there. It wasn't silver or gold that buys your freedom. It's not silver or gold that gets you into heaven. It's not things of this earth that can change our eternal inheritance. It's none of those things. And what did they do? It redeemed us. It paid us our way out of what we inherited, the life we inherited from our forefathers. Oh, Mark, you don't know my father. You don't know his brokenness. You don't know where he came from. Well, let me tell you about my father. He lived in boarding school from grade one to matric and would only ever leave the boarding house when friends of his felt pity and would take him out on holidays because both his parents were alcoholics and the parent, the school wouldn't let him go to his parents' home. But I lived in a home and grew up in a home where a man bowed his knee to the living God. And so I didn't grow up in the home of an alcoholic. I didn't grow up in the home of an abuser. I grew up in the home of a man who got redeemed from his forefathers. And yes, some of my forefathers have brokenness in their story. And part of the challenge is, as a white male in South Africa, my forefathers brought in apartheid and racism. But the gospel breaks in and redeems me from my past and sets me free that I don't have to live and I don't have to walk account those things. I'm pulled into a new lineage, a lineage of Jesus. And I love looking at the lineage of Jesus in Matthew 3 that most people just skim over because in that lineage there are prostitutes, in that lineage there are broken people, in that lineage there are backstabbers. In the lineage of Jesus, and then comes Jesus, boom, the perfect lamb. Who pays for the sins of the world and sets us free. That's the gospel. For me to tell you anything else, I'm watering down the truth of who Jesus is. And then it continues, but with the precious blood of Jesus, a lamb without blemish or spot. When I tell you, the Bible says, get up, get going, and follow him. Get up. I've sat with many people, and I'm telling you something, the most powerful tool, the most powerful weapon we can fight with is just getting up. Now get up off that couch. I, I, I'm, I, I haven't got a job. I haven't got anything. I'm not seeing God, and I've sent out a million CVs that I copy and paste and send it on an email, but I'm just going to sit on the couch and just wait. You know, get up, young man. Get up. Get up and trust God as you begin to walk. Get up. And then put on the robe of, of joy and praise and righteousness and walk. And watch what he does when we start to walk. And then follow him. Don't follow the church. Don't follow some man. Don't respond to the zeal and the passion of the preacher. I'm just a broken man outside of the grace and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And every preacher is. But I'm not outside of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I'm in the middle of it. Because on a cross hung a man who redefined who I am. And on a cross hung a man who redefines who you are. It says, you aren't a slave. You are a daughter. You are a son of the living God. 
So rise up and let your identity shine. Rise up and know who you are at this time. Speak to the devil and raise your hands in faith and allow the devil to see the war cry of heaven and let him flee. Not by your commands for him to flee, by your submission to who God is and your resisting of him. This is the Bible, guys. But actually, this is a realization that's got to happen. There's got to be an unblocking in our own thinking. The problem with even street kid mentality, someone who spent years and years of the streets, streets, and I've got friends who spent years and years on streets, that even when your story changes, I've got a friend who spent years on the streets, and his greatest challenge is he still stresses for tomorrow. Even though he's got a job, he's got goodness in his life, he's got a wife, he's got a redeemed story, he still wakes up in the morning thinking, what am I gonna do today? No, we've got to change our way of thinking and allow the gospel not just to change the language we speak, but our reality on the inside. And when we do that, everything changes. You know how we do that? Get up, get going, follow him. Get up. If you right now are struggling with with the taunts of the enemy, the lies of your past, shouting back at you and being held by chains that you know that are illegitimate chains and God actually wants you to walk out of that place, I want you to stand right now in the midst of us that you would get up. And in the getting up, I pray the chains would fall off right now the same way it did for Peter. Can we do that together? If that's you, will you stand? And you want freedom of God, this place. Please don't do it for me. Do it for you. Do it for your future. Do it for the goodness of God in your life to unleash the kingdom of heaven right now. Thank you, God. Can you pray? Can we close our eyes as we stand in this place? I want you to pray a prayer with me. I want you to trust as you pray this prayer and see the chains and hear the chains falling off. Lord Jesus, Will you pray after me? Lord Jesus, I surrender all. Every part of me. I will not be held back by any chain or any enemy shot that would limit my future. I will give, get up. I will get going. And I will follow you to freedom. Thank you, Jesus, that you have paid for me. Every debt I owe is settled. And I raise my hands to praise you tonight. Praise him. Right now, let freedom of heaven come. We believe in the mountain-moving God. Tonight, move mountains, God. Raise up mountain movers in this place. Get up. Get going. Get up. You're a son and a daughter of the living God. Get up. You aren't a slave anymore to your past. It doesn't matter what you did in your teens. It doesn't matter who you gave your sexuality to when you were 18 years old and didn't know what you were doing. What matters is who you are today and who you are today is a daughter or son of the living God. Get up. Rise up and allow the mountain moving God to reveal to you a future that is different to what your past would determine. Allow the mountain-moving Father, the glorious Father, who paid for your freedom with the blood of His Son, to release you into freedom and joy.